Well, a very good evening, church, and a blessed new year to each and every one of you present here in the sanctuary, as well as those of you who are tuning in online. You know, as we begin to wave goodbye to a rather frustrating and many, perhaps for some of us, a very inconsistent and forgettable 2021, and as we welcome 2022, the theme for us here in All Saints, as we begin this new year, is equip the saints. Now, if this sounds familiar, it is because this is a phrase that is taken from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. But why do we want to choose this particular theme for us in the coming year? Well, church, if All Saints is truly to be a church with this DNA of having a lifestyle of evangelism and a culture of discipleship, then I believe that the next phase for us must be this year of empowering and training so that we can fulfill this vision that God has given to us. It must be a time where all, and I stress all, all of us, we must aspire to be equipped for the work of the ministry as Paul puts it in verse 12 of this passage. We all must develop this attitude of learning we must all have this deep desire to want to connect with one another and especially to the new ones that will be coming into our midst. We all must be boldly, be willing to boldly share the good news and to willingly minister to those who are in need. And based on the efficient passage that we will read a moment, we find that as Paul counseled his readers, he puts forth three valid reasons, and I will be touching on them, as to why the church ought to be equipped for ministry. In a nutshell, it is simply this. We are to be equipped for ministry because we have been given ministry gifts. We are to be equipped for ministry so that we can attain spiritual maturity. And we are equipped so that we are to speak the truth in love. And so with that, can I invite you to turn with me now to your Bibles as we're going to read this passage, as we turn to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to unpack this portion of Scripture for us. So Father, we come before you this evening as we start the year afresh. We ask of you, Lord, to challenge us to know what it means for us to be equipped so that we can fulfill the ministry work that you have given for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So turn with me to your Bibles as we look to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read from verses 11 to verse 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And the Apostle Paul writes, he says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the status of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful skin, schemes. Verse 15, Rather, speaking the truth in love, 
we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You know, as the saying goes, everything rises and falls on leadership. And for any organization to grow and advance, it's imperative to have capable people in leadership position. And in the circular world, we have presidents, we have chairmen, we have managers, directors, CEOs dominating the scene. But in the church setting, Paul says we have apostles, we have prophets, we have evangelists, we have shepherds, we have teachers. And these are just not merely leadership positions, but they are also ministries as well. So for the very first reason, we find why we are to be equipped for the work of ministry is simply because God has bestowed on His church spiritual gifts of ministries and leadership. Now, don't miss this next point because it concerns all of us. And I want you to observe that when Paul mentioned these fivefold gifts of ministry, he was addressing to the entire congregation. He was not speaking to only a few of the people. He wasn't only speaking to just leaders. He was addressing to the whole church in Ephesus. In other words, Paul recognized that everyone is capable of being equipped and trained. As long as you are in unity with the body of Christ, you form and you belong to the church, and hence, being equipped, fundamental to the Christian life. You see, the fact is simply this. You and I, being a Christian, it's not just, you know, it's not just we come, we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we come to church, we do worship, and then we just mind our own business, we warm the pews. No. That's not what it means to be a disciple. We do not exist. We do not, ex we do not accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior just to become what I term as silent disciple or passive disciple. You see, part of the role of a disciple is to be equipped so as to equip others in return. And we see this in Jesus' command for you and I to make disciples of all nations. And he says that in verse 28, verse 19 to 20, that as you go to make disciples, you are also responsible to engage and teach new believers. Matthew 28, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then listen in verse 20. Jesus says, Teaching them, to observe all that I have commanded you. So you see, part of this discipleship process, and we are all called to be a disciple, it's not to be a passive disciple. No, we are all called to go out, to baptize people, and in doing so, we are to teach them. But before we can teach them, we have to be equipped. 
You see, we cannot just be equipped with the truth. We cannot just selfishly receive and keep all the teachings of God to ourselves. Our role as disciples is what we have received, we are to, in turn, impart this truth to new converts that will be coming in to our midst. We are equipped so as to equip others. But wait a minute, you know, some of you will be thinking right now, you know, looking at Paul's list. Some of you may argue with me, but, you know, Paul mentions here the fivefold gifts of ministry. But hasn't the gift of apostleship ceased? I mean, we talked about this before, isn't it? Furthermore, the ministry of prophets and evangelists, I mean, none of us, you know, dare call themselves prophets or evangelists. These are roles that have been reserved for a special breed of people. No one can be a Reinhard Bonke. No one can be a Billy Graham unless they have this particular gift and are called. Now, though this may be absolutely true, but nevertheless, we can still play the remaining role of a shepherd, caring for the needs of those who are in need, and we can also play the role of a teacher, imparting spiritual truth and guidance we can all mentor someone in the faith. And church, this is something that we need to change. We need to change the mindset. We need to change our mindset that these functions are only reserved for those who are full-time staff. We need to change the thinking that, you know, to be a teacher, to be a minister is only reserved for people like Jackson or Pastor Mabel, you know, for those who are caught in the full-time ministry, or maybe for those who, 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 who are in ministry heads, or maybe those who are willing to serve as board members of ECC. No, we need to remove this negative mindset. Because the point that Paul is pointing out to us here is this, that we all, you and I, we can minister, teach, and witness, though not as an evangelist, but we can still witness and disciple someone. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, you can do it? You all say one, huh? You all say one, huh? All right, so let's see do it, all right? And you know, we can all do it. And it's important that we need to do it. You know why? Because those of us who were here last week, what did we see? Those of us who were here last week, we rejoice in the fact that over our Christmas come baptism service, we have our attendance that is close to, you know, how many? 200. I think in the history of all saints, we have never reached that number before. But we were close to 200. If I recall exactly, I think it's about 193 of us that attended the service last week. And out of this 193, there were about 30-odd visitors. So what does this tell us? That people are coming into our midst. And if we do want these people to remain with us, and if we do want the church to grow, then it is our responsibility as disciples to be equipped so as to know how to engage them, to welcome them, to share with them the good news. In fact, last week, as Pastor Mabel shared the word, if you recall, there were about two or three hands that were raised. And the question that I ask ourselves is this. How many of us did went up to them, welcome them? 
How many of us did go up to them and share the good news with them? Perhaps some of you may say, oh, I'm not ready for this. I've not been equipped. Well, the good news is we're going to equip you this year. So then when we do have this event again, you don't rely on the staff, you don't rely on the full-time people because, you know, that stage at the moment is very crucial. If you're able to be equipped, we're able to connect with them, these people will come. This is why we need to do so, because we not only want to welcome them, we want to minister to them, and we want to disciple them into the faith. And this is the second reason why the apostle calls for the equipping of the church. Paul says in verse 13 and 14 that we are to be equipped so as to build up the body of Christ to mature manhood. In simpler terms, the church is to grow towards spiritual maturity. You and I, we are to be equipped to be more Christ-like. But why is maturity within the church such an important concern for Paul? May I add, even for us here in the church? Well, if you look again with me to the passage in Ephesians, you'll find that Paul gives the answer in the second verse of verse 14. He says that we are to be equipped so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. You see, Paul was greatly concerned of the movement of the many false teachings that were floating around and was flooding the church. The early church back then was not entirely pure or perfect. And unfortunately, the same can be said of the church today. And so for us to stand up against this negative influence, to stand up against the tide of false doctrines, the church therefore needs to reach to a certain level of maturity. Because if we don't have that certain maturity, whatever winds of false doctrine comes into our midst, we will accept them blindly as the gospel truth. And when we do that, we'll find that we'll drift away, we'll be swayed, and we will stumble and we will fall. So it's important, therefore, that we need to be equipped so that we can attain to a certain level of maturity. And Paul describes the way to grow this maturity in two parts. In verse 13, he says, we are to attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So let's break down what Paul meant in this verse. The first part is this, to attain the unity of the faith. This simply means that we are to be grounded solely in the Word of God so that we will not be swayed by wrong ideologies or to the ever-changing worldviews. That as disciples of Christ, our faith should be strong enough to withstand any onslaught that the world throws at us. That our behaviours, that our actions should always be guided only on God's Word and that we don't succumb to the sinful lifestyle that are contrary to what God expects of us as His holy people. And so to, be, to ensure that this unity of the faith, we must therefore be rooted in certain fundamental issues. 
So take, for example, this issue of the same-sex attraction and marriage. There are many Christians today, lo and behold, we are shocked. Christians who subscribe to same-sex marriage and say that there's nothing wrong. To these Christians, it simply means that they are not rooted in the faith. They don't know what the Bible teaches them. Why? Simply because they are not equipped to know the work. And for us, when it comes to this issue, we must hold true to what the Bible teaches, that God created man and woman. Full stop. God never created, God created Adam and Eve. God never created Adam and Steve. We must be very clear on this part. Second, we must also be clear and hold to this standard that God detests homosexual practice and He will bring judgment to those who practice it. It's all found in the Bible. Genesis 19, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 to 13, and many more other passages. And when it comes to this particular issue, we must also hold to the fact that God's expectation of the union between man and woman is not to end in divorce. I've come across many times where Christians who are married for many years ended up in divorce. And when I shared with them, you know what the Bible teaches about divorce, they would tell me they know, but yet they still end up in divorce. If we are to be rooted in the faith, if we are to attain this maturity, we must hold on to this certain level of maturity. We cannot deviate from this truth. As for the second part, where Paul says, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, I believe that the implication here that Paul is trying to tell us is simply this, that we must comprehend fully who Jesus is. And we must establish this close relationship with Him. Simply put, we must have this firm grasp and comprehend what it means that Jesus is the Son of God. We must comprehend that Jesus is the only Savior of our sins. That Jesus calls us to carry the cross. And again, I must stress that sadly there are some Christians you know, they are so happily when, you know, when they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you know, they, 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 they take all the good part, but they forget that Jesus calls us to carry the cross. I've known of some people, you know, when they, be, when they baptize and, 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 and when they come to Christ, they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they come and tell us, you know, don't put my photo of baptism on YouTube in case my parents will see it, and then I will have to face the consequence. No. Carrying the cross means you must be willing to stand up for Christ. And this is what it means that we come to the knowledge of who Jesus is. And this is what it means to attain maturity. Finally, Paul asserted in verse 15, in this efficient passage, the third reason why we are to be equipped and it's simply for the purpose of speaking to one another in the truth of love. Now, what exactly did Paul meant by this? You see, part of the maturing process is this ability for you and I to correct each other when there is a fault. And at the same time, we must be willing to seek out reconciliation. 
For sure, no church on this earth can claim to be free from any tension, from any conflict, or any miscommunication. If you find a church that is super, super, you know, doesn't have all these things, let me know. I want to join that church. Because I can tell you, every church is the same. Every church will fill with tension. Every church will have conflict. Every church will have miscommunication. And certainly in the case of the Ephesians, this was their problem. Because when you look into the heading of this chapter, the heading of this chapter simply tells us, you, simply says unity in the body of Christ, which tells us that the Ephesians church was facing some disunity issues. But the challenge for us is this. When disunity, when tension, when miscommunication happens in our church, what do we do as a community? What do we do as a community? Do we close our eyes, ignore that the whole episode never occurred? Do we sweep things under the carpet, leave it hanging on the air? You know, over the years, and if we are honest, we have been guilty of this. But church, listen. When we are guilty of doing such things, of letting things fester about, we inevitably give the wrong impression that we are supporting this act. Moreover, if we continue not to do anything about it, it will lead the sin to fester, and like cancer, it will spread, and ultimately it will affect the whole community. Paul in Galatians 6, chapter 1, verse, chapter 6, verse 1 writes, he says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So you see, it is our responsibility. As we are equipped, we need to learn to equip others to correct them, to tell them the areas that they are wrong. And we must not be afraid to do so. So instead of condoning the sin, we should be condemning the sin. But listen carefully, huh? we don't condemn in a fire and brimstone manner. We need to condemn the sin in a loving and gentle manner. No wonder Paul's instruction in verse 15 is that we are to speak the truth in love and to seek out reconciliation. This is what maturing a growing and healthy church ought to do. So be equipped to equip others. That's our team for All Saints next year. And logically, again, you find that it is really our responsibility members of the church. We ought to equip ourselves first for the ministry before we can equip others to grow towards maturity. I know over the last two years, many of us, we haven't been traveling. You know, we miss sitting the aeroplane. So I want you to imagine now you're sitting in an aeroplane because I'm going to show you a video that brings you back to the time where you're sitting in an aeroplane. Can we have the video, please?
If there is a change in cabin pressure, an oxygen mask will automatically drop in front of you. Pull the mask down sharply. Place it over your mouth and nose. Pull the lateral straps to tighten it and breathe as usual. Secure your mask first before helping others. Oh, you guys are travelling in Singapore Airlines. <coughs> now, I think many of you recall this video instruction, isn't it? That whenever you go on a plane before takeoff, there's always this safety briefing as to what you must do in case of an emergency concerning the oxygen mask. And as you have seen, the instruction is very clear, isn't it? What are you to do when the oxygen mask comes down? Do you help others put on the mask first? No, the instruction is very clear. You put the oxygen mask yourself first. Then you proceed to help others, especially if there are kids or children next to you. Why? Because it clearly reminds us that we are to be equipped first before we can equip and help others. And at this point, I want to invite Wai Chong to come forth as we pause and hear his short testimony. Wai Chong, please. Let's put our hands. Uh, good evening, uh, brother and sister in Christ. My name is Wai Chong. Um, I just like to give thanks to Allah for his faithfulness. And his wisdom is truly beyond human understanding. Um, sometime early this year, God impressed upon me uh, in my heart that I should actually restart a men's group in ASE. So I was wondering, why me? I'm still new to the church. I don't know a lot of people, and how should I start the group? Then an opportunity came when Brother Carl came to visit the cell group, and um, I just shared my thoughts with him. And uh, not expecting much to take place, but I was wrong. Brother Carl was super excited and did a lot of things and put everything in place. And uh, in the blink of eye, the very first meeting we have was uh, 1st of May this year. And uh, we actually have a physical meeting. And subsequently, because of the COVID, we continue to meet, but it's online. But we meet faithfully fortnightly on a Saturday morning. And I'd like to thank uh, those who are faithful, like Brother Kadiman, Brother Kat Jackson, Brother Ken, Brother Eric, and Brother Chum. And um, I, I truly uh, feel very uh, touched by their sharing and uh, the praying for each other. Um, I also like to share that this group, uh, we try to make it a point to be inclusive. And also, more importantly, we try to keep our sharing confidential. That means um, we don't gossip, all right? And we call ourselves E5. Uh, don't be mistaken, it's not some Korean uh, boy band, okay? We do more than just uh, singing. We eat, we exercise, we equip ourselves, we educate, and evangelize. 
So um, I just want to challenge all the guys here to think seriously about joining the men's uh, ministry. All right. Um, on a personal note, I just want to share what I what I learned about um, this doctor Robert Lewis, a pastor in uh, US, who started the men's fraternity ministry uh, to help men explore critical issues that they face in life. He was saying that um, men generally are passive because it's originated from the first man that God created, that is Adam. Um, in the book of Genesis, God created heaven and the earth and Adam in his own image and entrusted Adam the responsibility of looking after God's creation on earth. However, Adam was passive. He did not want to own up when he ate the forbidden fruit. Instead, he blamed Eve and even God. So, as I was looking at the story, I felt that sometimes I live my life very passive. And I find that sometimes uh, it's just not very fulfilling. I don't know where I'm heading. So, I felt that with this group of brothers coming alongside me and journey together with me, I felt really encouraged. And um, before I conclude, I just want to share this verse. Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I know that if I want to go fast, I can go alone. But if I want to go far, I need to join a group to go together. Thank you. Thank you, Wai Chiong. You know, Wai Chiong here is an example of one being equipped to equip others. You see, having the experience of a man's fellowship in his previous church, he wants to form, or rather he wants to resurrect our man's fellowship here in All Saints for the purpose of equipping our man to grow in the faith. And as you recall, E5, they call themselves E5, one of the E's in the five is to be equipped. And recently, you know, I just came across that I'm part of the WhatsApp chat group, you know. I, 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 it was very encouraging for me to hear that they want to encourage each other to grow into the Word. And it started with, I think, Carl sharing a Bible reading plan that he has completed over the year. And he shared it with the men's uh, WhatsApp chat group. And here is again another example of what it means to equip each other. Equip each other to grow in the faith, equip each other for the ministry. And so, as we move on to the year 2022, as we say goodbye to 2021, we do not know what this new year has in store for us. We hope that eventually we'll still be able to come back as a body of Christ to worship here in this sanctuary. And I do hope that those of you who are so used to tuning in, uh, you will come out of this uh, mood uh, and come back into where we can gather together and learn to be equipped with one another. All right? And so as we do so, as we move into this new year, may we all respond to this call in the church to be equipped. And so with that, can I ask Minkui and Ashley and all of us to stand 
as we sing our response song. And as we do so, can I just encourage us, if God is speaking to us, if you hear the call that truly we want all things to be a church that is growing, we want to be equipped for the ministry that God is going to give to us, that as may we lead us in the response song, may we lift up our hands as a sign of response, as an indication to the Lord that we want to commit ourselves to His service. Let's lift our hands to God. Jesus, I come, I surrender, oh, for your glory, I give my life, here in this
Lord, we thank you. Lord, give us that courage, give us that boldness for those of us who have raised our hands in response. Give us that boldness and that courage, Lord. Fill us with your strength, your grace, your spirit. Lord, these hands are yours. You want to be like Isaiah who says, here I am, send me. That even if you are calling us to be like Isaiah, where the call was basically to fail, that Lord, we still say, here I am, send me. Lord, in our lives, we respond to you. We give you our all. All this we ask and we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.